podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the episode of Ammo and Danny's Irish Outfield Road. Well, folks, we're back after um, a couple of weeks break. Um, and we're giving you our Christmas special this year, which is going to run for about three or four weeks. Um, we put a lot of thought and effort into it. We are recording late night after Liverpool 3-1 victory against Newcastle and after Trent Alexander-Arnold Thunderbolt. Um, and there's a lot of discussion about COVID at the moment and what's going on, what's not going on. Obviously, we can't predict the future uh, and we can't predict what's going to go on with fixtures, but what we can predict um, is how the next couple of weeks are going to go if the fixtures are played. And of course, we can discuss um, you know, the eight-game winning streak that we've had, um, breaking records in the Champions League, breaking records you know, over over the course of history. And uh, me and Danny were discussing off, off, um, off air there. So first of all, Danny, how are you? Um, and how do you think since that defeat against West Ham that we've responded, you know, with the eight big victories? Firstly, yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's Christmas time. Can't complain, can you? You're always going to be excited, Jordan, Christmas. You know yourself as well as I do. Like, when you I think you always enjoy Christmas and it's always exciting. And then you go through this stage in your 20s where it's maybe not as exciting as it used to be. And you're kind of growing up a little bit. And then you have kids of your own. And it suddenly becomes exciting again. And I remember last year, just like sitting in my room at like five in the morning and the kids weren't even awake yet. And I was like, oh, when are these kids going to wake up? Someone who goes downstairs and open these presents. And um, that's exciting, isn't it? So yeah, got all the decorations up in the house. Looking forward to it. Um, I think similar to you, yourself, um, it's, a, it's a busy time of the year, especially when you don't always have family in the same country. We're, we're getting the boat over to Liverpool, arriving in Christmas Eve uh, and spending Christmas there all being well. Um, so, yeah, exciting times. Like So, so I'm, I'm keeping good. And in regards to your question about Liverpool, I think I think we, we, said, we spoke a few weeks ago, didn't we, and said that there's always going to be blips in the season. We're always going to have times. We look at, we look at tonight uh, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, um, obviously Chelsea dropping points against Everton. I, I think there's going to be times in the season when everyone drops points against someone. Um, but it's all about, as, as we know, it's all about how you pick yourself up from that. And I think Liverpool at the moment are just a machine in terms of just churning out results. This this Newcastle game was a classic example of that. We've got all sorts of players missing, uh, players out with, with COVID and all sorts of different things like that. But we're still able to to produce the goods and to produce what we need to to get results. Um, and I think a lot of that's down to the system. And we're not going to get into that too much because we've discussed that before. But I think Klopp has got a system in place in which you, you could bring anyone into that team and they play the same way, same as what Arsenal did during the 90s, is that we've got a specific system that everyone who is part of the squad and the wider group in Liverpool, um, they all buy into that. So I think you can replace anyone with anyone and they can still do a job. And I think tonight proved that more than anything. Yeah, and I think um, the highlight of, of that fact, you know, those victories, for me, and I think you can agree, this has to be um, Wolves away. Last minute of the game, mm. up stepped up big, give it a really. 
Um, you know, just before that game, we, we smashed Everton, we smashed Southampton, we, we beat Porto comfortably, smashed Arsenal. Um, and we had Milan come up in the Champions League where we could arrest the boys, which we did. But, you know, last minute of the game, you know, kind of Firmino out, players injured, you know, you know, and there's a famous saying a cop that he said to, to, to Rigi, we just said to Rigi, go on the pitch and we give it. He comes on and he gets it. It wasn't, it wasn't a spectacular finish. It was just a typical Rigi goal, wasn't it? And I think that, for me, was the highlight of those games. But was it the same for you? Because obviously, great wins against Villa, great wins against Newcastle, breaking records in the Champions League. But that, away, that last minute goal away at Wolves in the 93rd minute by Rigi, it's just something about it that maybe at the end of the season, that could be season the final, couldn't it? Yeah, I think we'll always look back on Klopp when he finishes his managerial career with Liverpool and we look back over history. I think we'll always look back at Jürgen Klopp and his teams and I think when it's always analysed, it'll always be remembered that we became a team that, that never looked like we were beat until the final whistle. Because how many times have we said about Klopp's team and we've seen a last-minute winner, injury-time winners, 90th-minute winners and stuff like that. Um and yet that epitomised that. It epitomised everything that is a Jürgen Klopp Liverpool team, a team that was prepared to fight and fight and fight, coming up against a Wolves team that are really well organised. And, and we've said that before, they're a really well drilled, really well organised team, hard to break down, but we kept pushing and pushing. Um, and and Jürgen Klopp, I think it's a sign of a good manager, isn't it? Is that to turn around and say to Divock Origi, go on and be just be Divock Origi. Like, that could be him scoring the 93rd minute winner, or it could be him tying his shoelaces together and falling over when he gets on the pitch, because you just don't know what Divock Origi is sometimes when he's on a field. Um, but but he's like he's got trust in his players, and I think that's what we see a lot, that anyone can come in and they feel confident because they know they've got the back end of the manager. No, I think, I, I think, and maybe this is just a personal opinion. Nobody feels like a second string player in that in that squad. You're seeing boys coming off this bench and giving a hundred and ten percent every game because I think Jurgen Klopp has done what a lot of managers really struggle to do, which is make everybody in that squad as a thirty man squad. Everybody feels that they're part of that. They're part of that journey. They're playing their role. Um, and you see that when it when it comes to like sub goalkeepers and and Kelleher has spoke about it at one point as well that that he feels that on the training pitch his job is to push Allison as hard as possible, um, so that he performs at his best and he feels that if Allison's playing well that's because of him and and Jurgen Klopp has instilled that in the whole squad that everybody has a role to play and everybody's part of that whether you're on the pitch or not. Uh, and that's why you get boys like Origi coming on and and giving it everything and scoring last minute winners because they feel they're just as pivotal as Salah and Mane and everybody else. Yeah, and then obviously we're breaking records in the Champions League, winning six games after six in the group of death. But again, Origi getting the win away in the San Siro, like what's going on? There's laughing maybe in the virtual front. Matt Phillips doing buddy. Turns against <laughs> like what, what on earth? Yeah, these are moments that you have to pinch yourself, you know. Um, yeah, Arigi got that goal, and then obviously, really tight victory against Aston Villa. Steve, Steve, and Gerald come back to Anfield. We have to mention it. Um, again, Mo Salah does what Mo Salah has done the last practically every game. You know, tonight against Newcastle, that was 15 goal involvements in 15 games, and he matched Jamie Vardy. So, if Salah gets. A goal in the next Premier League game that he's breaks the record, and it's just 
And you were saying off air, Danny, it was a 2000 victory for Liverpool. We've been made over the last couple of weeks as well. We're the first English club to have 2000 top flight victories, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're breaking records all over the place, which is amazing. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Just to see the way Salah's gone this season. Like, as we said, there's, there's all this talk about the fact that everyone's felt that Salah's a, a one season wonder and we're now, what, five seasons in? And and it feels like he's only getting better and better and better every time. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And I think this I think for him personally, he's always been driven, he's always been motivated. But I think it's gonna be fascinating to see what he's like in this Spurs game. If you don't have him as your captain in your fancy league team, get him because he is gonna be flying in that game against Spurs to try and get that record. <laughs> That's so true. Um funny you mentioned fancy football, something that I've not taken a big look at. After we've been pushing and pushing and pushing, but I must do, I must get into New Year and do my wild card. And uh, I think Salah is my captain. But I mean, I think everyone that listens to this podcast knows my feelings on Mohamed Salah. Um, but you mentioned that space game, Danny. So, so far scheduled, and we're going to preview, you know, a couple of games here coming up until um, our next scheduled podcast. And um, so we've got Spurs away, followed by Leicester home in the League Cup um, quarterfinals. We've got Leeds at home. Leicester away in the Premier League. Then we got Chelsea away. Um, I think that's the second of January, and then Shrewsbury uh, Town in the league. Uh, sorry, yeah, in the FA Cup. I um, just after January there. Um, obviously, I think if I'm correct in saying as well, if we do beat Leicester, there'll be a fixture sandwiched in between that. Um, the League Cup semi-final as well. So a lot of games to go there, but I think the first one that stands out is obviously the Chelsea game away because you know the top of the league, but. Just before we go into that, League Cup quarterfinals at home against Leicester, Danny. We know what the, the, the quality that Leicester possess. Um, but that you know, Brendan Rodgers is pretty much a cup manager. He's got that reputation over the last couple of years, you know, with Celtic and with Leicester. Mm. Um, that's not going to be an easy tie, but it's a tie that really we should be going to win because you know, then they look for football and he's won trophies, don't they? Yeah, exactly. As you said, Leicester are a hard team, and, and Brendan Rodgers is a good tactical manager whether you like them or not at Liverpool uh, I think nobody can deny the fact that the tactically is very very good uh, he's winning games comfortably at the minute Um, we've seen obviously in that Newcastle game this evening like the type of team that Newcastle is like they walked over Newcastle 4-0 um, and they've been they've been doing pretty well like a sort of hit and miss in terms of the season but but Brendan Rodgers knows how to set up a team for the different games that he's playing. Obviously doing quite well in the league and stuff like that. And as you said, cup, cup for, for teams like Leicester, I think cup runs is where it's at. I think they know that that's where their remit is, that they need to do well in these cups. So this is where he's, his focus is going to be, to try and win these games. I think Liverpool's got enough in them to beat them. Um, but like you can never say never. And I think... At this stage of the season, I think Jurgen Klopp, with the way that we're playing, with the things that are going on, I think his focus is going to be Champions League and Premier League. So it wouldn't surprise me if we rest a few boys. Um, but at the same time, obviously, he's the type of manager. And, and as we've said before, he's got a squad that can come out and perform no matter who he plays. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting game, and especially around that time of the year with all the fixtures we've got being slotted in one after another. Yeah, and obviously we don't even know what's going on with COVID, which is we have to record this podcast as if the games are going to be played. Mm. There's no other way to do it. But obviously we've got Leeds and Leicester, Samuelson, um, over Christmas and New Year. 
And then just after New Year, we've got a tasty, tasty, tasty game against Chelsea. Um, we, 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 we won't forget the game at Anfield where they went down to 10 men and we probably should have won the game. This is at Stamford Bridge. That Chelsea, a couple of results haven't quite gone their way recently, so it could be a very important game. So away at Chelsea, do you think a point's a good result or do you think let's see how we get over the next three or four games and then when we get to Chelsea, the, the, you know, how we do in those games depending on whether a point will be a good game a good result against Chelsea or are we Liverpool football club and we just need to go and win every game? I think with the tightness of the league at the top, I think if we were to go into it thinking as long as we get something out of the game, then we're happy. I think, although that's probably the safe and probably the logical option, at the same time, I think it could come back to bite us. As we said, it's a season where we're seeing big teams get beat by by anyone. Anyone can beat anyone on the day in the league this season, and we're seeing that right across the board, um, apart from Norwich. like. They're not beating no one. Um, but apart from them, like anyone can beat anyone. And as I said, Chelsea slipped up against Everton there. Um, we're now three points ahead of them, um, one point behind City. It's so tight up there that I think we need to be trying to create a little bit of distance. Um, City, again, are just a winning machine. They're coming out and just absolutely, not not just winning games, but dominating games, uh, winning 7-0 in their last game there. And and generally, they're just continuously grinding out results. And I think if we want to keep up with City, getting a point out of Chelsea, yes, may be good in the grand scheme of things, but it will create distance between us and City, and we need to keep that. So I think Chelsea... Chelsea have kind of dipped at the minute a little bit. They're still a top team. They're, they've got players coming back. That obviously Lukaku hasn't been playing for the last little while and stuff like that. Um, but I think these types of big games, it's where you, it's where you prove that you deserve to win the league. It's like we say with the Champions League: to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And I think we've got to prove that we can beat Chelsea, put that bit of distance in there, and just really rival City this season for that for that league and try and get that title back in our back in our hands again. Well, yeah, as I say, the fixtures come thick and fast. We mentioned that a lot. I don't think there's a lot that me and you can talk about, Danny, that you know, most football fans that won't hear on every other podcast and, and stuff like that. But what I would say is out of, what, five Premier League games over Christmas um, and a possible 15 points up for grabs um, against Spurs, Leicester, Leeds, uh, Chelsea. So, sorry, that's my mistake. Four games, um, possible 12 points up for grabs. Do you think... You know, ten points to be a fair, you know, a fair go at, or are you going for all twelve? Um, it just depends on the games, doesn't it? I think if I think if you're looking at the games, game by game, with the form that we're in at the minute and form that the other teams are on, like I feel that that yeah, if we got if we got if we got nine ten points out of it, you'd be happy. But I don't see any. I don't see any reason why we can't take all the points. I think Spurs are there for the beating at the minute this season. I think Leeds should be a team that we should be tanking the way that they're playing this season, playing really, really poor. Um, I think Leicester are a team that again, I think we can break them down. Um, they're a team that are good. They're a team that are solid. But again, defensively, they're a little bit leggy, if you know what I mean. I think Sun Chu, Johnny Evans, they're, they're a bit slow, and and with our attack and speed. I think we should be able to do something. And I think if we can get that momentum and that good run of games leading up to the Chelsea game, I, I think it should give us enough positivity for us to get something out of it. But you know what? Like It hasn't been discussed yet too much, but I think a big part of it will come down to this African Cup of Nations and what goes on there in the new year. And like the potential of will we lose 
our players were like what's going to happen there like the covid situation there's so many different variables in it um so yeah it, it's a hard one to predict at the moment i suppose but i'd like to think that we could take all the points yeah no 100 and i say we've mentioned covid there and got the african cover nations coming up it's so hard to predict and then we mentioned those four four games but you know potentially you know you've got another potential three or four cup games within that Mm. As well, which is which is just crazy. And as I say, I see your point. Clock focus on the league and uh, Premier League and Champions League, but I still think cups are to go for. And you know, all you need to do is play Divacarigi and let Divacarigi be Divacarigi. So he's not a bad backup. But yeah, um, what I will say, um, it's going to be you know tough because of, and and Christmas, you know, that's kind of saying a few words on this, Christmas is season the final, isn't it? Because those four or five games all sandwiched in together. You could be coming off the Christmas and, you know, the season could be over for you or you could be getting a gap. You keep mentioning this gap and staying up at the pace. It's a good point you make about Chelsea. If you draw against Chelsea or get beat against Chelsea, you could be five, six points behind City. And, you know, City are good front runner, so that's what you don't want to happen. You almost want Liverpool to be five or six points ahead, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, you're right. And I think one of the things that comes with these games coming so fast is that momentum can be won and lost in this in this time. If you suddenly, like it's hard enough if a team suddenly goes on a, a losing streak of four games, then you sort of think, oh, well, they can pull it back next game, next game. And I think Gerrard's proven that with Aston Villa, is that Aston Villa generally had a really poor start of the season. They've suddenly gone on a run and won a few games with a new manager coming in. And now they're on this momentum run that, that makes you feel like they could beat anyone on the day, really. Um but if you can, if you lose four to five games during the Christmas period, everything's come so fast. There's so much emotion involved in it. You're playing almost every two, three days, and if you continually lose during that time, like we've seen teams completely fall apart, and we've also seen teams like in a relegation battle completely come out of it and reinvigor themselves during during the Christmas period. So I think there's a lot to be said for for really needing to get points on the board during Christmas because the games are so quick in coming that it can create momentum that can take it on for the rest of the season. Oh, well, there you go. As I say, Danny, it's definitely, definitely, definitely fixes coming uh, thick and fast. And yeah, the momentum you mentioned loads time about being mentality monsters. And let's hope the mentality can get us through. Um, what I will say, guys, we've got a bit of a... Um, a Christmas mix and match-up in the next part of the podcast. Uh, me and Danny have been discussing this and looking forward to it for a while. So we're going to do our 12 goals of Christmas with a twist. Um, so we'll come back back to that in the second part. What a, what a quick shout-out just before we go into the break um, to a friend of the podcast, Speedo Mick, who in the next 24 hours is finishing his uh, final journey into Liverpool City Centre in the Albert Docks. And he's raised on this journey. We've gone to Scotland, um, Wales, obviously Ireland, Northern Ireland, um, and finishing up in Liverpool. He's raised just shy of £150,000 for all kinds of mental health charities. So fair play to your speed, Mick. Um, and I think you've earned your break over Christmas. And uh, let's hope that Everton avoid relegation just for you, buddy. But in the meantime... <laughs> Um, we'll be back in a, in a while. Thanks for listening. Ammo. And Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Fan. 
find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Right, everybody, welcome back to the second part of... Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, obviously, it's a Christmas theme. We've got our Christmas... Uh, this is our technically our Christmas party. Um, and we wanted to be able to do something a bit festive and to be able to do our 12 goals of Christmas. Um, you can imagine how hard this is to be able to pick 12 goals. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of our favourite Liverpool goals uh, from the time that we've been watching. So just for all of you that are coming on saying, oh, do you not remember Kevin Keegan's goal? Shut up, it was the 80s. Like, we don't remember that. We weren't even born. Uh, but it's the goals that we remember from Liverpool, and we're going to try our best in some form to rank them um, in the best way that we can. So what we're going to do is we're going to fire some of them out, have a little chat about them, uh, and then we'll, because me and Amo don't really know what goals each other have picked, uh, and it'll be good to try and maybe rank them and see which one we think is is probably should be the star at the top of the tree, so to speak. Um, so Amo, obviously you've had a bit of time to think about this in terms of goals that you remember, goals that you like. Um, what what would you put up there as the top goal, the top top goal, the goat of Liverpool goals that you remember? What would you put as? <laughs> We've had a bit of time to think about this, and the more you think about it, the harder it gets. Oh yeah, because you you always forget a goal, don't you? Um, and quite I must say, quite a funny show coming up for you, Danny. Um, shut up, we you know I weren't born in the eighties. I think there's only one person out of two people sitting on this show that were born in the 80s. And it wasn't me, son. It wasn't me. <laughs> I was born at the end. At the end, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Have to get that in. Love, love a bit of banter, don't we, don't we Danny? Um, but anyway, yeah. Goals, I don't know. I mean, the obvious ones come to mind, don't they? The Gerard against Olympiacos. The uh, Garcia. The uh, Ghost goal against Chelsea. The Garcia goal against Juventus. Um, Divock Origi against Barcelona. Divock Origi against Spurs, Divock Origi against Everton. Um, <laughs> I put down here, and I put down one of my favourite goals was by Michael Owen in the League Cup semi-final, I think it was 2002. Mm. Um, it, was a, it was the second goal I ever seen live, but it was the first winning goal. And because the first goal I ever seen live was at LG Duke, I can't put LG Duke in any kind of lift because it just wouldn't be allowed. So <laughs> I put Michael Owen down. Um, I've also put Smyce's goal down against uh, AC Milan in the Champions League final 05. The reason I put that down, Danny, was because Gerard getting ahead and getting a goal, and it was famous and you know, putting his arms up to the team and the fans. But Gerard getting a goal against AC Milan in the form of his life at that time in his career wasn't that much of a shock. But Smyser, who hadn't been seen for two years, comes off the bench for Harry Kuehl, who just didn't do nothing in the process up until that point. Smyser come off the bench and scored in that goal. He had no right to. Barros moving out the way, his mate. And to score that goal, I think that's whenever I started believing, I'm going, this could happen. There's that famous, famous video of Smyce just going to go and go to the fan. And it's your man got his hand in his head and he's like, nah, it's just actually, you know rightly what I'm on about. You know exactly oh, yeah. what I'm on about. And then any Liverpool fan listening to this knows everyone's seeing that goal and he goes straight to the crowd. Your man with the glasses and he's like, is this actually happening? I think that Smyce goal made people believe. So, and I've got Mo Salah against City. The one where he chipped, where Edison come to play in midfield. <laughs> Everyone's saying Edison's that good, he could play in midfield, so he did. And Salah chipped him. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Um, shout outs to Garcia um, against, uh, no, sorry, not Garcia, Neil, Neil Mellor against Arsenal, friend of the podcast. 
Um, Coutinho against Man United on Paddy's Day a few years ago. Mm. So little think over the hair. You know, these... Yeah, I can see... It's funny, but people... We don't, you know... We record this on Zoom. People can't see our facial expressions, but it's funny when you mention stuff which you do, and it's like, I forgot about that. But I've had to narrow it down to top three, Danny. And I've managed to um, hard enough. And there's so many more I could have mentioned, but my, my number three is Origi against Everton because, you know, not what can I say? It's Origi against Everton and he's only got lit alarms. He's only got lit alarms. <laughs> he couldn't touch the crossbar. <laughs> there you go. Um, Origi against Everton. Um, Gerard um, against West Ham in, the, in that FA Cup final. Um, if no one has listened to the Radio City commentary of that goal, dig it out on YouTube. You can get it. It's Radio City 96.7, Liverpool's local radio station, and Gerard's goal against West Ham. Listen to the commentary on that, and it sends goosebumps down my spine. So Gerard against West Ham. And I think the winner for me, Danny, and it's hard to, it's, it's so hard because there's so many goals you could pick, but I think it is Mella, lovely cushion header, down to Gerard. I think I think that has to be the winning goal just because like we won the Champions League that season. It was the greatest comeback in history. But it all started with that game at Anfield and we had to score by two clear goals and Gerard done what Gerard always did. And for me, um Yep, Stephen Gerrard against Olympiacos. Interesting, interesting ones. As you said, there's so many that you can choose from. When I was going through my list, I was trying to think of what goals I liked in comparison to what goals were actually good. Um, and I think it is all emotionally driven. I think we can put up a little bit of a thing on social media and it'd be good to get everybody else's reaction as to what they think is good, what they think is right and what they think uh, with we've messed up basically but um yeah do you know what it's hard to argue with the with the Gerrard Champions League one I think the only other one is the Gerrard West Ham one that would come close to it um in terms of he just he picked us up like that obviously that that one where he scored the Champions League like we wouldn't have won we wouldn't have got through the Champions League group stage it wasn't enough for that goal but again we wouldn't have won the FA Cup, was it not for Gerrard's goal against West Ham? So, like, to be fair, if you're going for good goals, I think we could have a 12 days of Christmas just with Gerrard goals because he scored so many ridiculous screamers over the years. Um, so, yeah, do you know what? I'm probably going to go with you that the Gerrard Champions League one is... I, I think, personally, I think the only goal that can rival the Gerrard Champions League one is the... A Rigi goal with the Trent assist from the corner. Like I, I think I feel, and yeah, it's not the greatest goal in the world. It wasn't like amazing in terms of Origi's shot. It was a good shot, and to to sort of get it across his body like that. But the genius that was involved in doing that, we will look back on that goal in years' time, and it's a goal that just the thought of it and and hearing that commentary again, it, it just it does something to you that you just oh, it was just special, wasn't it? And uh, for me, that's the only goal that, that really rivals that Gerard Champions League one. But I will go with you. I, I think I'm happy enough to go with Gerard Champions League if you're happy enough to go with the Origi as number two, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as you say, Gerard could have his own 12. Um, but yeah, I mean, that famous commentary corner taken quickly, Origi, yeah. And we, yeah, let's go Gerard number one against uh, Olympiacos, Origi number two against Barcelona. Mm. Um, yeah. 
And I think there's a few contenders for number three. As I said, I think we will put up all 12 on the social media. But there's a few contenders, I think, for number three, isn't it? For me, like, I remember there were some great goals. The, the Torres goal against Blackburn. Like, I loved that. Torres taking it down his chest, smacking it across the goal right into the top bin. Again, Torres against United when he beat Vidic. Memorable when Liverpool smashed United on Old Trafford. And we all remember Vidic hitting the deck as Torres takes the ball off him and runs before sort of chipping uh, the keeper. We got the Suarez v Newcastle one. The 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 skill, and I'm sure you understand that as a striker, the skill to be able to bring that ball down on your chest and then not only just like take a swipe at it, but round the keeper in a smaller space as he had Colacini, I think it was, um, sort of bearing down on him to sort of take it round the keeper, still avoid the defender and slot it in. Um, was just an act of genius. Um, but in terms of emotion and how you feel and Obviously, everyone who listens to this podcast regular is going to find this very strange. But for me, it's hard to go past the the Lovren goal against Dortmund. And I think like that that whole game was just was just classic Liverpool. It, it was sort of probably the first time since Istanbul that Liverpool have really staged a comeback of that magnitude. And obviously, it's always been overshadowed now by the Barcelona game. But I think if you if you remember watching that Dortmund game and remember watching that comeback, you you can't help but just relive those emotions of how amazing it was. And yes, it was Lovren who got the goal. And yes, I'm not the greatest lover of Lovren that's ever been, but I think you can't deny the fact that it was it was magic at the time. Like, yeah, I mean the cross by Milner, I remember vividly, and it was a corner we won. It went back out and come to Milner, he chipped it in then. I think Sturridge had a bit, of, a bit to play in, in, in the build-up, and yeah, I mean, 100%, that's definitely one of them as well. Um, it's, it's all this, like, so we could sit here all day trying to get 12, 12, uh, 12 goals, but, I mean, shout-out to the likes of Sammy Hippie against Juventus mm. in that famous Champions League run. There's, you, you, you're you're good old, um, I'd say good old friend, but you're the guy that you admire more than anyone, Danny. You mentioned, we mentioned in off-air, Alonso's goals, two goals from the off-air line. Like, how can you not mention them, like? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I remember a, a famous goal, Harry Kuehl against Everton. Unbelievable goal. Um, some of memorable, memorable goals, but it's hard to pick, isn't it? And it, it I think for me, there's a, there's two or three goal scorers in my time watching Liverpool that have always come up with the important goals. Um, I think Gerard's clearly one. It really seems to be another. Mo Salah, I think, at the moment. The, the goal against Tottenham, the goal against Everton. And then the goal against City this season, um, and the goal against Watford. The, the goal against Watford and City this season, they were just like, I don't think we're going to appreciate them for a couple of years because of how good, good they actually were. Mm. Um, it's just Danny, you, you could sit here all day chatting about good Liverpool goals, but what I think I will do after this podcast is I'm going to go on YouTube and start watching a few of those goals that you mentioned because just to make me happy again. <laughs> yeah, because because that's the thing, and and as you said, there's so many. Is we spoke when we spoke about this to discuss it, we said, "Oh, we'll try and think of six each." And I thought to myself, "Oh man, I've got to try and think of six Liverpool goals. Where am I going to come from?" And now I'm sitting here with a list as long as my arm, like of these goals that we remember that were so memorable. We say about Salah, obviously, just he's making history at the minute. You've got all those goals that he's scored in recent history. Um, you've got the the Chelsea goal that he scored. Remember, whipped it across into the top bin. You've got the Mane back heel against Bayern Munich. Like all of these goals that are just 
like just come flooding back to you. We've got like 15, 20 of them now. How do you choose like a top three? I mean, never mind the top 12. We haven't even mentioned them. I'm going to go in the FA Cup final. We haven't even mentioned it. Mm. Do you know, it's just weird you actually start. Um, but yeah, no, I think if we agree on the top three of Gerard, Origi, and will we go number three, Lovin, will we? Or? It's so hard. It's it's like you were saying about the Champions League one. It, like, it's the difficult one because you want it to be legendary. And that's why it was automatic, as amazing as it was. And, and I remember sitting in a in an apartment um, down Scotland Road when in 2005, during the Champions League final. And I remember the emotion of it. I remember how amazing it was watching Liverpool come back. But there's just there's something in me that, that couldn't allow Vladimir Schmeisser to be in a top three of anything. Just um, and and at the same time, I'm like, I know Lovren's goal was great, but could, could I live with myself that he'd be in a top three of of one of our things? Um, but as you said, I think, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I think if Origi's in there, which is just baffling again, but he's he's a he's a big man for the big moments. Um, yeah, I think like personally, I would be unless we were going to go for a full list of Gerrards. I think if we're going to mix it up, yeah, I would probably go Gerard number one, Origi number two. Well, Origi and Trent will make it a little bit decent. Origi and Trent number two, and yeah, I think I think Lovren number three. I'd be happy to go Lovren number three. Well, there you go. Um, Evans says strange things always happen over the Christmas period, and uh, it's got strange on this podcast. We've gone from the top twelve to top three, and Dejan Lovren, Divock Origi, and Stephen Gerrard all get a, a shout. Which is quite, um, <laughs> it's quite crazy because I don't think those three normally come in the same sentence. Honestly, <laughs> but there you go. I can almost feel Gerard unsubscribing from our podcast because we all know he listens. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think he'll be turning a little bit if he thinks that he's in a top three along with Origi and Lovren. But anyway, we know that they were great goals, which is good. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll post up the twelve online for you to see, and we'd love to get your feedback on it. Any of the ones that we've missed, or any of the ones that you think are better than the goals that we've already mentioned. Um, but as we said, there's so many to be able to pick from. Um, but yeah, that's all for our Christmas special. Um, we've been able to do as much as we can in as quick a time as we can. Um, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. And we just want to say thank you so much for listening this year, for being a part of it. We've just loved being able to have you getting involved in it. And the only reason we're able to get the guests that we get is because of you listening in and subscribing and sharing. And we just thank you so much for doing that. And we hope that you'll stay with us next year. Um, and we hope that as we carry on looking at these games, we maybe watch Liverpool go on a run that can take that Premier League trophy back to Anfield with a full stadium and we can celebrate it like we were meant to first time round. Um, but until then, hope you all have an amazing Christmas. Hope you all have a happy new year and we will see you all in 2022. We're going to do something a bit different now. We've got an answer podcast um, and we've got a song from a, a special artist that wrote into, wrote into us and asked us to play a song. So um, we're going to do that. The artist is James Kilban and a song that many of you have heard is When a Child is Born. Um, so without further ado, we're going to play a song. But in the meantime, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. A ray of hope 
flickers in the sky A tiny star lights up way up high All across the land dawns a brand new morn This comes to pass when a child is born Silent wish sails the seven seas The winds of change whisper in the trees And the walls of doubt crumble, tossed and torn This comes to pass when a child is born Settles all around You've got the feel You're on solid ground For a spell or two No one seems forlorn This comes to pass When a child is born This happens because the world is waiting, waiting for one child. Black, white, yellow, no one knows. But a child that will grow up and turn tears to laughter, hate to love, war to peace, and everyone to everyone's neighbor. And misery and suffering will be words to be forgotten forever. It's all a dream. An illusion now It must come true Sometime, soon, somehow All across the land Dawns a brand new morn This comes to pass When a child is born All across the land This comes to pass when a child is born. is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.